What's up everybody? This is your boy Eddie with Flex Machine Tools and welcome to this live episode of Flex and Friends, our live video cast and podcast experience where I get to sit down with, chat with, hang out with and pick the brain of the industry's loudest, proudest, best, brightest, most passionate and profound thought leaders and we are talking about everything, you guessed it, manufacturing. And I have a little bit of automation information for each and every one of you, but I'm not going to be bringing it cuz you know every week we have the top tier guests and this week is absolutely no exception to that specific statement. So without further ado, I got something for you and our good friend Nikki Gonzalez. Let's bring her in. All right. Nikki is officially in the Flex and Friends house. First and foremost, girl, how you doing today? Pretty good. It's been a pretty good day. Solid stuff. And what an awesome day to not only have you here in our Flex and Friends platform, but also to learn more about automation, women in manufacturing, and all the above. But since you are our special guest, we're going to dive right in. You talk so much about what you do for Quobeam and just a lot, a lot of your backstory, but we're, we're going to really look uh, behind the curtains here to figure out who you are. So would you mind starting us off with telling us who you are personally and professionally? I got to know. <laughs> Okay, so Nikki Gonzalez. Um, hmm, should I get real here? My my real name is actually Hulta Margaret Haskinstofe Gonzalez. Uh, yeah, that's gnarly. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, you won't succeed. That's okay. Uh, so I'm from Iceland originally. I moved to England when I was 11, and then I moved to Texas to Houston, Texas when I was 12. And uh, as you might have heard, my name is a freaking mouthful and something that is completely impossible to pronounce in English. So a lot of people ask me, how did you get Nikki out of that? Um, I actually did not. I, like I mentioned, I moved to Texas when I was in middle school, not super friendly to weirdness. So my neighbors immediately asked me if I wanted to be called Nikki or Amanda. Um, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know I'd be choosing a name that would stick with me for the rest of my life. But I chose Nikki because I already knew someone named Amanda, and uh, the rest is kind of history. So I stayed in Texas uh, throughout college. I went to UT in Austin, and then I wanted to get out of there immediately. And so <laughs> I moved to California. I actually started my career in automation um, working for Kias, which is a very cool place to learn um, all kinds of factory automation. I was a, a machine vision sales engineer, and then really just fell in love with the whole automation, uh, you know, concept. I really hadn't spent a lot of time in manufacturing or in factories, uh, aside from working with my dad on his companies when I was growing up, he's an engineer. Um, but he was more in uh, IOT and transportation applications. Okay. And yeah, Keynes really gave me the opportunity to see into every kind of manufacturing facility, uh, anywhere from, you know, semiconductors to solar to food production. And, uh, that's how I started with that. But yeah, I'm kind of, I don't know, a crazy person that's interested in learning everything all the time. Uh, and I'm very scatterbrained. Um, and but yeah, I'm from from Iceland originally, and then, you know, moved across around the country a little bit. I lived in California, I lived in Washington. And uh, now I'm back in Texas, I have two kids named Finn and Elsa, they're four and two. And uh, they are about everything that I'm about right now. Um, I don't really have a life other than my work because uh, I work for a startup that I'm super passionate about mm -hmm. and uh, as well as my side gigs and then my kids. So that's a bit about me. That is a list. And just because I have to hear it again, what is your what is your like real name? 
Hulda Margrét Hallgrímsdóttir Gonzalez. <laughs> That's so gnarly. Of me sharing that for the first time ever with anyone that isn't like, well, now you know me well enough, I will tell you. Whoa, okay. Well, th- th- dude, that is solid because I could just, I'm not even going to try. But the fact that you did twice, I'm just, I'm super heartwarmed by it. And and speaking of being, you know, having a warm heart, obviously this being a live show, we have some of our awesome guests and fans that get to comment. And remember with this being live, you could jump in at any time because we're going to pull up two comments now. One of them being my friend, Fred Freeman. He says, oh, snap, he's back. Better believe it with that double flex, Fred. I appreciate you, handsome son of a gun. And then we have LinkedIn user, which very well is probably Ann Wyatt, but she says, Nikki Gonzalez is one one of my favorite people, to be honest, she is so passionate about our industry. Look at that. We just got the show started and we've already got some stuff going on in the chat section. So keep on jumping in. We'll pull everything up, answer it in real time. But as we continue to move forward, uh, one thing I love learning about individuals is where their passion lies. Because of course, what you do describes who you are and kind of really uh, paints that picture. But I think what really gives it texture, color, and depth is what is Nikki passionate about? Um, I really am passionate about building things with people and community. And I've been fortunate enough to be in a lot of positions where generally I'm helping people build things, whether it's machines, um, automation processes, software, um, companies. That's really where I, I love being a support player. Um, I used to be asked, like, I've, you know, you people ask you, what's your dream job? Or um, honestly, if, if it pays well enough and you know it was exciting i would be somebody's administrative assistant like i just love helping being that go-to person that that can take care of whatever that somebody needs whether it's a customer or a co-worker team member of mine um so this is the second time that i've worked for a startup not counting working Mm -hmm. with my dad on his business or anything um and that's where i find myself really passionate about and and it is a you know, it is my profession, but I spend so much time at work and I dream about it. Um, so like it, it is intertwined with who I am in, in a big way. Um, also, you know, just being early on in my career, I have two young kids. I'm really hoping to build something to where, you know, when I'm a little bit older and they're really a little bit older, when they can remember the vacations I can take them on, you know, I'll have built something sustainable for me and for them. Um, but that, you know, that that passion sort of extends into the stuff that I do on the side, which is when I when I walk into a room or a position or a plant or a meeting, I'm one of those people that can't keep things to just what I'm there for. I always look up and downstream and see what else is needed. And particularly if I'm doing a job or have a goal, what else needs to be accomplished for that job or that goal to happen more easily? Um, sure. And so as I, you know, kind of got back into industrial automation recently and, and manufacturing after taking a little bit of time off, you know, I'm really passionate about building a community where more people feel welcome to come into this than just your traditional, you know, um, path of getting into it. Uh, and so that's kind of where a lot of the stuff that we'll probably talk about later comes in. It's my passion to, to build an inclusive, helpful community, whether it's in my work life or, you know, at home. Um, Mm-hmm. Solid stuff. And speaking of solid stuff, we got our boy Ryan Treese. He pops up in here and says, great mindset of helping and supporting first. Hey, Ryan, appreciate you and the love, but we're not done yet because Dale Parker popped on in. He says, I enjoy visits with Nikki and sharing my Rockwell automation knowledge because she is like a sponge for learning about 
my craft. Again, we are just getting this show started, and the chat section is hot. We're coming across six different Thank platforms. You. There You're you my go. Coach Rockwell expert. There we because go. So helpful people that I found on LinkedIn, and it's amazing mm -hmm. because they're across the country in some cases. Like Ryan is only a few hours from me, and Dale is a few states away, but it feels like they're all, you know, just right here. So, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. also, I mean, I also love cooking and snowboarding, but those are things that I just don't have much time for right now. So they don't come to top of mind as much as, you know, kind of the, the stuff I spend all day on 24 seven. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, I, I would do a lot more things if, if I had you know, a couple less kids, but Gordon, I had to have four of them, God forbid. So you get that. No, but that, that is amazing you that you're able to do it. You and your wife or whoever you had those kids with. I don't want yes. to. Yes. You're good. No, it's it's seriously, it's, it's a definitely an adventure. And speaking of adventures, you've obviously had a little bit of an adventure yourself kind of getting into manufacturing. So with this being very much based around that, you gave us a little bit of a preface before. Um, do you mind kind of just giving us a couple of key points within that journey that leads you to where you are now? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I started off, you know, green out of college with Keynes University. They're great because they hire based on aptitude and not particularly your major. So I, I went into, um, I got an international business degree. And I did that after seeing my dad go from being an engineer to a CEO, a marketing manager, and then a CEO and opening his own business. Um, I was like, I want to do, you know, I loved working in my dad's office, helping with everything when I was growing up. So, um, and he did a lot of international business. So I was like, oh, that sounds like a great degree for me. Fine. Yeah. What I didn't realize is that it has no specific starting job because it's one of those sort of more generic degrees. And so I got really lucky with Keyence because they were willing to take a chance on me and teach me industrial mm -hmm. automation and machine vision. Um, I did laser marking and barcode readers and, and that sort of stuff. But it really, uh, it was an awesome opportunity. I then ended up working for Festo in motion control um, and robotics and things like that, material handling. And after that, actually, so that was in about 2012, there were some supply chain issues happening back then, not as bad as they are now. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, living in the Bay, in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, and I would sell stuff. I was working with machine builders, and you know, you you sell something, and then it's like, oh, oops! All of a sudden, it's a twelve week lead time. What do you do? Um, yeah. I got interested in some of the other parts of the engineering design process because I was working with uh, electronics companies that are making smartphones, and you know, a lot of the consumer stuff that we all use. Um, is being designed and made right there. And I was interacting with those customers and I started to learn about all kinds of other cool technologies. So I ended up going into software uh, with a company called um, Computer Simulation Technology. They make electromagnetic simulation software, which is really cool. It simulates the electromagnetic waves of uh, an, a device like a, like a chip or a phone. And you can mm -hmm. see exactly how is the antenna, where is it gonna reach? How, the, how is the signal gonna work? What's the electromagnetic compatibility going to be? Um, nice. And simulate that, all that ahead of time, like virtual prototyping. Um, mm -hmm. And they actually got acquired by Dassault Systems. Um, and then I wanted to, I got into the, the startup ecosystem there in the Bay Area. Um, and I really wanted to work with some modern automation tools on my journey as a, as a technical salesperson. Um, I'm all about problem solving. I don't want to waste people's time. I don't want to knock on the wrong door or invite the wrong people to the wrong kind of training, right? So I very much was looking at how can I use data and intelligence to be better when I'm, you know, providing solutions to customers 
So I really had this burning itch to, to go and work for newer companies that were getting to use all the latest tools and technologies. Mm -hmm. So I went into the startup world and I worked with the data analytics and AI uh, startup out of Detroit. And I was working remotely at that time. Um, the only you know, person in the, in the Bay Area. And we were working in supply chain as well. And use, figuring out how can we use data from all kinds of different sources the you know the sales data the customer data as well as things like weather and events and you know twitter sentiment and all these other things to make better decisions about how to plan production mm -hmm. um, and although that was not in the industrial automation industry all that stuff was very interesting for me to learn because now i'm getting to apply that to industrial automation so fast forward i didn't really plan this at the time. Of course, I was always planning on having kids, but it was always one of those things. Well, I'm not ready yet. Oh, I'm too busy now. You know, let's wait a few more years. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I guess uh, the universe had other plans for me. So I had uh, my daughter in 2018. She decided not to wait for her due date. <laughs> and nah. I was conference, um, presenting at an AI conference and my water broke and she threw all my plans out the window. So I, uh, we ended up, I ended up taking two, three years to, uh, I ran my own business with my husband, had another child. Um, and then some people that I really know and respect and like, and had been following, you know, and working with sort of for a while, uh, Roman and Andrew started this company quote beam. Um, we had actually talked about it initially when they were, uh, doing other things and I was at my other startup and then just last year timing, was right. They took it full time. I wanted to make a change. I ended up moving back to Texas and working for them remotely. And I get to bring all of the sort of the disparate uh, experiences that I had in my career. Um, they all are coming together now in industrial automation supply chain. <laughs> um, so it's something I couldn't have predicted, but that's, mm -hmm. that's how I got to where I am now. And, you know, all of those things are if you had ever asked me what was my five-year plan or what did I think I would be doing, um, none of that is anything that I would have even known to imagine. So I'm, mm -hmm. I've realized over time that I just kind of, you know, go where the opportunities take me. Mm -hmm. She puts the sails up and wherever the wind goes and blows is where she goes. I dig it. And then and with that, uh, we've actually got a couple of comments here. One, my girl, Krissa. Wow, Nikki, you are incredible and so well-versed. Thank you for sharing your story. Agreed, all of the above. We also have Aaron. Aaron, my guy, he says, love hearing from Nikki. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but it, does he? did he nail it? Yeah, he's actually the reason that I decided to disclose this today. I, I told him about it a couple of days ago. And then I was like, you know what? That's me. Cats out. I don't have to be afraid anymore. I used to just get made fun of for my name so badly that I changed it. You know, is that a world we need to live in? No. Now, unapologetically who you are, and I love it. Aaron, thank you so much for inspiring this young lady. And then also, hey, Ryan jumped in. He's got a question that I want to make sure we answer. Which job taught you the most important skills related to your current role? Nikki, can you, can you help us out with that one? Mm, that's, that's a really good question and probably not one that I have a great answer for, because honestly, I think it's the combination of all of them because I've been on the plant floor because I've been the programmer. I've been the person responsible for making a solution work mm -hmm. um, as well as being the person looking at the data on an aggregate. Um, although it was in a different industry working at a startup before I'm so much more prepared and then also so not prepared, just like everybody is in some new adventure. Right. 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 And, 
So I, I don't know that I can actually answer that question for you, Ryan, because it is all of those things added together. Although I probably will go back and say, like, honestly, as a, as a, I mean, it's, it's different. People take different things from jobs, right? But the Kian's role really uh, brought me into the industry. And I learned a lot of the skills that I still use to this day there. Um, so, yeah, I'll stop there. So I probably That's will. all right. Because Dale says, no worries, Nikki. I've been at this 38 years and still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And we will laugh out loud. Ha, 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 ha. Thanks, Dale. Appreciate it. One thing we do know is that you know how to take time off, Dale, and I appreciate you for that. And I want to get there one day like you. We can all do it. We dream it. So, no, I love the activity in the chat section. This is exactly why we go live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern so that you can hop on in, take a quick break from all the emails and stuff you're bogged down on, and you can talk almost directly to our good friends that we have here. So, Nikki, um, you, you gave us just a little bit. You know, you, you've kind of dropped a quote being this here. Uh, we've got some really cool things that I want to make sure we jump in and talk about. But before we do, you just want to give us a quick, hey, What's quote being? What do you do? Give us your 30 seconds. Uh, if, if you will, I'd appreciate that. Oh, I don't have an elevator pitch. It's always different depending on who I'm talking to. But honestly, That's um, right. it is buying automation stuff should be as easy as shopping on Amazon. And I don't mean that in the sense that you you know can just go on and find whatever parts and buy them. You need the expertise of, of good sales reps, that technical advisors, you know, people that know their stuff. But the paperwork and the stuff that goes around that, right? Having to find the right supplier, being able to find who has the stock of a critical part that you need or you can't deliver your machine. Um, it shouldn't take hours and hours of emails and phone calls and sending PDFs and calling with credit cards and you know trying to figure out who you can buy from to get stuff done. That's really what we're trying to solve at QuoteBeam. It's a marketplace that is collaborative. It's about relationships, which is what our industry is built on. Um, mm -hmm. But we are developing a platform that is easy to use, makes it easy to find the information that you need, and automates workflow on both sides of the marketplace to actually help us get our work done faster with automation. There you go. Get your work done faster with automation. Good deal. Case closed. Now we're going to get into the meat because you have a lot of good insight on a couple of really big topics that I'm excited. Thanks for giving us a little recap because obviously it's important to hear your journey, who you are and where you are and why you're doing it. And I respect you very much for it. We got to get into supply chain stuff. So with that, my goodness, Nikki, what in the world is happening? Again, as usual, it's not as simple as one thing. It's an amalgamation of many things and it has been okay. building up for a very long time. Um, one of the things I mentioned is one of my prior jobs, we had supply chain in 2012. It was for a completely different reason. And, you know, that was, you know, one company, but uh, there's a lack of data in the supply chain and the, sh the ability to share that data. So manufacturers and customers can make better decisions about how to forecast demand for different things, right? That's a, that's a problem that predates the last couple of years. Um, but then obviously changed everything for a lot, lot of things right so china is where we manufacture most of the stuff that then we use to manufacture here in the states so a lot of computer chips right are, are made there um and as many things even if they're made elsewhere they use some components that are made there um and they of course have had all kinds of lockdowns and so has the rest of the world right so we have huge mm -hmm. supply chain disruptions due to COVID. And those are for very, you know, all kinds of complex reasons. Um, Jeff Winter 
posted a really comprehensive, what I thought was a really good explanation um, at some point uh, that shows all the different facets. But I'm, I'm very much a systems thinker. So it's not just one thing, right? It's shutdowns. It's issues with goods and ports, um, shortages of truck drivers. Yeah. Um, there and, and the 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 lack of information to really be able to, on a good day, forecast demand for things. And in a place, you know, in a time like this where you have a global pandemic that affects everything, you know, there's just no possible way for us to really uh, foresee those sorts of things. So it's a chain effect because the the, the chips that are in short supply now they're used for all kinds of different things and if a manufacturer of a plc can't get the chip to make the plc then they can't deliver that and then a machine builder that uses the plc to make uh, automation into factories or some machines um they can't deliver their machine because that plc is missing and so these supply chain issues are kind of rippling and they started you know, because companies do carry stock and things like that, it has been taken a little time to sort of catch up. Um, but we're seeing a lot of components in the, you know, 40 to 60 week lead time areas. And in some cases, manufacturers can't even predict when they might be able to produce something again, because they don't have their supply chain uh, of components and raw materials they don't have enough information to forecast when they be able to get that. Um, so it, right. it's 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 a multifaceted sort of thing that's happening, and it's really affecting the automation industry like many other uh, electronics. Um, and then I don't know as much about you know the raw materials and things, but I know that's that's an issue as well. Different types of plastics and polymers, um, metals, and then of course you have the war in Ukraine, and there's a lot of things that are manufactured there um, that has become an issue, but. We've, we've entered a time that I guess is forcing people to have to look outside of what they're used to because what they're used to may not be available and it may not be available again for a long time. So we need yep. the ability to be able to have more interoperability uh, in the way that we design things mm-hmm. and uh, an ability to be able to find what you need that maybe meets your spec, but with a different brand. Um, unfortunately, in our industry, it's just usually been kind of built on this, you know, you have a one-to-one connection with a supplier of something um, and not this complete visibility into the market and what's available and what's available where from who. Valid points, valid points indeed. So, so thanks for giving us a little bit of a, just an understanding of one, what's happening and how widespread the effect is and then how much it even affects automation within itself. And so, which is something you, you never would really think unless you're in that world. And that's exactly while we're talking so but here the, what can we do to fix it like we talk about you know hey here's what's happening like right. what, what do we do nikki what do we do so we're not going to be able to force you know the manufacturing of these things any faster although i have started helping people find the chips they need which in some cases is possible um but oftentimes you know it's always a trade-off everything in life is a trade-off so do you want to wait or do you want to pay more is generally the trade-off that people have to make now um sure or do you want to pay in other ways, like redesigning your machine with a different component that costs time? I mean, it costs money and time, but it may mm-hmm. be you know more palatable than buying the components that you need at two, three, four, five times the normal price. In some cases, ten. Um, I just Yikes. recently had the price of a component go up uh, almost sixty times because it went from being available with the lead time. Now the lead time is one year. Customer can't wait a year. 
the only supply we found in stock, of course, the company that holds that stock knows that there's a lot of demand and they are selling it for a very high price. Um, Yikes. So how do we solve it? Well, we have to become more flexible and we have to become more connected. We have to use our community, the power of those in your network to try to manage these trade-offs. And that's really all we can do. Um, the, I would, my, my prediction, uh, and I think Will Healy posted about this a couple of days ago, is that it will take at least a couple of years to for supply chains to return back to normal. Um, from what I'm seeing in the lagging indicators, I would give it 2024 at the earliest before we're back to somewhat normal levels. And it's going to get worse again before it gets better. So if you think that you're going to be able to procure components for A, the same price as you paid for them last year or with the same lead time, um, check again, talk to your network. You need to start being proactive. And there's a whole host of things that you can do. Uh, flexibility and proactiveness, I think, are the two, you know, sort of generic pieces of advice I can give um, because it is not simple and it's not going away. And we need some solutions, you know, in the short term, but then ultimately, you know, long term solutions. Right. We're, we're potentially building a lot of chip fabs here in the U.S., but it takes a long time to build and bring online a chip fabrication facility. So in the meantime, we have to work with what we've got. We've got to be resourceful. Um, and, you know, my my message to everybody out there in the community, you know, if you're a salesperson or a builder, whatever it is, don't, you know, don't worry about competitors right now. Everybody, we need our manufacturing industry to move forward. We need to reshore. We need to automate more. We need to be able to bring more people into the into the sector because we need employment. We need manpower. Um, we all have to work together to make that happen. And I think the old kind of way of like, well, it's my business or yours, or, you know, that doesn't really apply as much anymore. We need to come together in this crisis time to help each other. And I think when things get back to normal, the customers are going to remember those that came together to help to solve their problem instead of just sticking with, well, this is what I do. And, you know, this is how I do it. Mm -hmm. Being proactive. And I, I hear an essence of just playing the long game, um, which is hard to do. And it's such a short sighted type of market where everybody needs things now. And the, these these issues and bottlenecks only create more of that demand and, and you know, turn up the heat, if you will, which the, this this is wonderful. And I'm glad that you specifically got to speak to this because everybody has, you know, they're either doom and gloom or they're all super positive and it all depends on perspective. But you provide a step back 10,000 foot view and Dale. Here, he says, again, we are having huge lead time issues with analog IO across all of our platforms, which is a big problem for machine builders. We are asking customers to do a better job with their long range forecasting order early and often so they can get in line when things open up, which goes to your point, Nikki, be pro active. So again, thank you so much, Dale. And as we kind of move on this conversation, first off, great recap of the supply chain, probably one of the most extensive and accurate ones that I've heard to date. So thank you so much for that. And then in addition, automation is a big thing of yours. And, and, and one thing I like to ask anybody who's in that world is, what does that mean to you? It means using machines to help us do our world, really. To me, it's, it's let's use machines so that we can have a more humane society because honestly we treat a lot of people like machines um and i mean you know of course the collective we there's jobs that really are not fit for people um we don't have enough like if somebody works you know three jobs and they're supporting a family 
you know, there are things that on an aggregate that we can, we should be able to change in our society to make that, you know, make that problem go away. We should not have people working full time or more than full time that can't afford to support their families. To me, the answer that I see to that is automation. And I be, mean, both hardware, you know, factory automation and manufacturing, so we can make more higher quality, you know, more throughput with, with less people. But at the same time, we need to change the jobs that are not and should not be done by people. Or in most cases, you're not automating an entire person's job. You're automating parts of their job so that their job can be easier. Um, and an example I like to use is like the personal computer, right? We used to, most business people used to have a secretary because they could not think and type at the same time or they didn't know how to type or something, right? They needed somebody to type their thoughts and send their letters and those sorts of things. Yeah, now yeah. most people use their own computer for this, right? Right. Did that, did that really in a wholesale like eliminate all jobs for secretaries? Absolutely not. Just no, now, no, they're, yeah. you know, now they're administrative assistants. They do a lot more than just type letters for people. Mm -hmm. And so automation to me, both software and hardware is a way for us to get some of our time back um, and focus on where we need to be using our humanness in our jobs. Um, and then also it allows, if we change this perspective that, you know, people are not robots, people should not be doing tasks that automation can do, then I think we have appreciation for our humans at work and companies can start to think about how to support and value their employees and the entire package that comes along with being a human person with the community and families and all those sorts of things then we can use automation and robots for the tasks where we don't want to think about that humanity, right? They don't need breaks. They don't need daycare and, uh, you know, time off and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that. And then also Aaron Prather, he has a great point here. Actually, he says, uh, ATMs did not eliminate bank tellers. And I'll tell you what, that is profound as a statement as they come, my friend. So what do you think about that, Nikki? They actually opened up so many more bank branches with people after they came up with ATMs. It grew the amount of bank teller jobs by, I don't remember the exact statistic, but it was, it was actually a, a huge growth uh, catalyst for the banking wow. industry to become more retail oriented, have more branches and more personal bankers and all that kind of stuff um, mm -hmm. than they did before. So yeah, absolutely. Wow. That is a great example. No, solid stuff, Aaron. Appreciate you and every single person who has hopped into that chat box because y'all are spitting some fire. And I dig it. I'm sure Nikki's a fan as well. And speaking of being a fan, um, let, let's talk about women in manufacturing because I know this specific season of Flex and Friends, seven out of 10 of the episodes are women. It's not an accident. So we're going to talk about it. Nikki, what's going on with women in manufacturing and what's your take on the representation within the space? Well, the representation is lacking. And that's, you know, due to, again, a lot of complex factors, right? It's, it's been a long time in the making. It's not any one single thing, really. But there are not enough women in the industry. It's generally not been considered or shown to women and girls as a career, viable career choice, um, which is, I think, one of the reasons why we are un underrepresented in the industry. Like, you think about when you're a kid and you're growing up, what types of jobs you know, you ask kids, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, I never saw a show on TV or a character that worked at a manufacturing plant. I didn't really know much about it at all. I didn't know that it was a career choice at all. Um, I got into it again because of 
my dad and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And when, wow. um, when we talk to most women in these sorts of positions, that's kind of how they got into it. It was either by some mentor, somebody they had personally in their life, a family member, um, or, you know, some happenstance, but the industry really needs, uh, and the sector, I guess, when you talk about manufacturing, uh, we need all kinds of people in the workforce because we're just focusing on like one type of person to come and fill these jobs. We have a complete mismatch, right? We don't have enough people wanting to work these jobs and the jobs are generally not that friendly to women and, you know, in a lot of ways, like culturally, it can be an issue. Uh, also flexibility wise, like if you want to have a family, you know, it's hard to maybe work a crazy hour shift when you have, you know, kids going to school. Um, but we need all these people to come into the industry. And so I think right now is the perfect time to open it up and make these changes because as robots and automation um, and more advanced manufacturing is possible, it actually makes the manufacturing plant a much more palatable, it, it's a great opportunity for women and all types of people to work there because it's no longer just a manual labor, you know, dirty job that supposedly is for the man of the house. There are so many different types of jobs now in manufacturing that utilize so many different types of skills. Um, mm -hmm. That really now is a great time for us to open it up and increase the representation. So of course we have a historical problem. There are not enough women in the sector. So how do we get more of them in? Well, we have to open it up and showcase the ones that are there already. And that's something yeah. like you're doing, Aaron's doing, I, I love this movement, right? Mavens of Manufacturing, Megan Zingba is just out there killing it. Um, what Anne is doing with her recruiting and her workforce stuff. We need to, although the representation is small, we need to amplify it because that's the only way that we get more people into it. As much as we think we don't, we look for visual cues. And if you mm -hmm. don't see someone like yourself doing something, it can be very hard to envision yourself doing it as well. These are mm -hmm. very much things that, you know, on the subconscious we look at in popular media, you know, what we hear from college counselors or career counselors, or, you know, even just the kids at school. I, I'll use this really too often, but Aaron told me he had, you know, a, a group of kids from a school come do a tour at his facility at FedEx and they only brought boys. And he asked the school people, you know, where are the girls? And they said, well, what do you mean? What, where are the girls? We didn't think that they would be interested. So ah. just writing it off that we don't care or we're not interested, I think, is a mentality that we need to get away with. And we need to bring the girls in because trust me, girls, I mean, not every single one of us, there's, you know, girls and boys are not all the same, but we love robots too. <laughs> and we want to make stuff. We want to see how things are made. We want to be part mm -hmm. of it. Um, mm -hmm. And we just need to put the, the women and girls that are doing it already out there more so that others can see that it can be for them too. And then I, you know, we will increase participation in the manufacturing labor force by doing that. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And we've got LinkedIn user, AKA more than likely Ann Wyatt says, absolutely, Nikki. We also need to use that opportunity to create upskilling and training for those individuals as well. And that's actually a great story that you just referenced. And you know, Hey, where are, where's the female representation? And they didn't even think about that. That's part of the problem. But as, we, as much as we talk about problems, Nikki, you're also very much a part of a solution. We can't have this conversation without talking about automation, ladies. You need to give us a lowdown. What and why? 
Yeah, and so if anybody is tuning in, this is actually streaming on the Automation Ladies page as well, which is very cool. Thank you for that, Eddie. Yeah. Um, so Automation Ladies is uh, it's a podcast, although it is at this point, it's more of a movement or a community, I would say. Uh, yeah. I my co-host Allie into this because I found her on LinkedIn and just thought that she was amazing. She's a controls engineer that is now a systems integrator. She started her own business about a year ago. And she was just posting what she was working on, the tools that she has, products that she's trying, things like that. And it was really the first time that I saw a woman in my feed consistently in my industry actually showing stuff that she was doing and not just some, you know, marketing person or social media person that was, you know, not to say that that isn't also valid, right? But I thought, sure, sure. I, I, for the first time in my career, because very usually in in the past i would walk into a plant an office a room a meeting 99 percent of the time i'm the only woman in the room maybe one of a handful or very much percentage-wise a minority and mm -hmm. you don't really i didn't really realize how much i was missing until i found that sort of sense of community like other women doing what i do um on linkedin and that's where the idea came from. I saw, hey, there's all of a sudden podcasts and stuff in our industry, which is really cool. It's kind of a new trend, I think, with, with COVID and everything. It brought everybody onto these platforms. Mm -hmm. um, seeing what you were doing and what Megan was doing, um, Anne wasn't doing her show yet. But out of, again, out of all of the different sort of shows and uh, programs, podcasts, I think Megan was really the only woman that I saw on those lists, right? Um, also, I'm going right. to keep shouting out, but he made an early post like last year when I first came onto the platform and started following him about the genuine influencers in our industry. And again, I think Megan was the only one on it. So I said to Ali, you know, and like you said, you know, your problems, you can talk about the problems. We have to talk about them to solve them. But I hate mm -hmm. being the person that talks about a problem and doesn't have Amen. I was talking to uh, Ali and some of these other women and I was like, you know what, if I'm going to complain about the lack of presence representation i better do something about it mm -hmm. um with the idea that automation ladies we talk about automation there's just no show where it's two ladies talking about automation right um and we've had a lot of challenges with like getting our podcast actually out there we've recorded an entire season's worth of episodes they're in production um as soon as we get together and record an intro and an outro you'll be getting the episodes released um, but what we yeah, have found yeah, is yeah. it has been an amazing vehicle for us to connect with not only other women in our industry, but just people that share the mission that see, you know, they want to see what we are trying to do, which is increasing the representation in the community. There are a ton of people that have come out to support us. And that part alone, if we have never published a single thing, I will say this has still been worth it because it has brought such a sense of community to the people that we've talked to. Um, and that's really what we want to be. It's not just a show, but a community. So you can come to us. I said this the other day. We entirely to the comment section of auto Automation Ladies posts. Because that's just a cool place, too, where a lot of discussion happens and people share with each other. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we have a lot of people sharing here. I've got four comments we got to pull up just in between that little bit there. So we've got he. Dale says, to help folks out, when I ran an electrical technician group in, in, in Steel Mill, my best troubleshooter and programmers were women. The reason is they analyze things before they try to jump in and fix them, like the guys on the crew that were just, what does it say, that were just uh, pounding things in, in to get the issue off the checklist. Yeah, completely understandable. And then we have Anne jumping in again. It seems like these visual cues are ingrained with our DNA, going back to the old days of fight or flight, etc. These are innate and make us human, so we rely on these visual cues way more than we realize every single day. Great points on why representation matters. And then also Aaron Again, love it, dude. If you don't have a platform, build one. And that is what automation ladies have done. And then my boy, Marky Mark, hitting us with that link. There we go. The comment section is as hot as it's ever been. And speaking of hot, I need you to give me your hot trend within our industry. What's the one that you think is red, white, hot? Honestly, automation. I guess it depends on what industry you talk about, right? Megan gives me a hard time. It's the manufacturing sector, she says, right? And then there's industries within manufacturing. But mm-hmm. it, since we're on Flex and Friends, we're talking about all things manufacturing. My hot, my red hot trend is automation and doing more of it here at home. If we can make our stuff here using more robots, using more automation, we can revitalize our economy. We can, you know, fix our supply chains. Um, and although we're having some challenges doing this right now, that is that is absolutely the trend that, you know, is is red hot and it's not going to slow down. There we go. Sounds like we need just a little bit or some would say a whole lot more of it. So and also in, 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 um, in relation to a whole lot more for those who want a whole lot more of content from you, from Automation Ladies, quote being where in the World Wide Web can we keep in touch with you? LinkedIn is where I basically live these days when I'm not in my email or on Zoom calls with clients, partners, my team. So mm-hmm. that is number one. Connect with me on LinkedIn, my page. Uh, also, Automation Ladies has a LinkedIn page that is where both Ali and I sort of interact. We love to repost and share and just amplify those voices while we don't have you know our content ready to share. There's plenty there to see. Um, and then... Mark, thank you. He posted our webpage for Automation Ladies. That is also where you can connect with all things Automation Ladies. But honestly, Ali and I are on LinkedIn, and uh, that's where QuoteBeam is as well. QuoteBeam.com is where you can go to find parts. Um, but LinkedIn is really where you'll find me. And you can, you know, all channels lead outside of, uh, for, from Nikki's LinkedIn page. There we go. All kinds of places to be able to keep up with you, automation ladies, and everything that you are doing. And really, Nick, you've provided so much value on today's episode of Flex and Friends. Mind you, even though this episode was live, we're going to be uploading this soon. And you will find our podcast available on Spotify. We're on Audible, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We're going live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern. But in case you missed the action, we're everywhere as well. So, Nikki, hey, thank you so much. Big shout out to everybody in our comment section. This has been a wonderful episode of Flex and Friends. So with that, hey, you all stay awesome, you stay flexing, and we will surely see you next time.